It's the Weather Channel podcast. I'm Ari Sarsalari, a meteorologist here at the Weather Channel. And we just had a lot of severe weather that happened pretty recently. And, you know, one thing that always happens during severe weather, it seems very frequent. I used to work in local news. You will cut in as a local meteorologist. You go on the air during some kind of sporting event. And you're trying to give life-saving information about, you know, tornado warnings and this type of stuff. And people get really upset. This does not make people happy. They want to see the end of their sporting event. Now, in this particular case, it was the Masters. Tiger Woods was doing some historic stuff. So it was kind of a big one, to be honest. And uh, this happened to be in Georgia. But let me just set the kind of the situation here. So this was on Sunday. Masters Sunday, the final day. Tiger Woods was making his run. And basically, uh, a lot of stations cut in, as they have to. And the station that was covering the Masters, it was CBS uh, 46, in Atlanta, which is where we are here, by the way. Uh, and there was a meteorologist named Ella Dorsey. She's an excellent meteorologist. She was on the air uh, doing the tornado warning live coverage, and she got a lot of really bad feedback. So she tweeted out later, to everyone sending me death threats right now, you wouldn't be saying a damn thing if a tornado was ravaging your home this afternoon. Lives are more important than five minutes of golf. I will continue to repeat that if and when we cut into programming to keep people safe. So this kind of generated a buzz. Now, I'm not just going to sit here and talk to you by myself about this. I'm going to bring in somebody who's actually, you know, done some research on how people take in warnings. What do they do with all this kind of information? What gets people upset? What makes people listen? All that kind of stuff. Dr. Laura Myers, uh, she is a research scientist at the Center for Advanced Public Safety. Do we need to do anything differently? Do you think we need to cut in for everything? I think I have a little bit of a unpopular opinion within the meteorological community. I kind of feel like for radar-based warnings and things like that, I think we should take into account sometimes like what's going on. If it's Sunday at the Masters, maybe we can pop in real quick for 30 seconds and be like, hey, this is the situation. This is a rotating storm. Um, we're going to run a crawl on the bottom and we'll pop back in if we get confirmation that there's something on the ground. And obviously, you've done a lot of research on this. Like, what has your research shown? Well, we've studied a lot about the different ways people get their weather warnings. And there's a lot of different ways now to get it. There's mobile apps. There's alert notifications. Um, there's the traditional ways of no weather radio and the sirens. And so the question has been, how important is television in this process? And what we've learned is that with all the other ways of getting the warnings, once people get those warnings, then they turn to television. They want to see what their local um, meteorologists are saying about the event. And so the television broadcast is still very important in the process. So I know that you started a lot of this research. That's right. Um, you know, with the 2011 events, there was a lot of interest in, you know, what were the best practices and what were the lessons learned. And so there was a lot of focus on the, the human response. So the thing I'm interested about is what has changed since 2011? Because I remember 2011 like it was yesterday. I remember after those events happened, after those tornadoes happened, and so many people died, and we were you know, talking about what can we do differently? How can we get through to people? What do we need to change? Maybe people need to also listen better, uh, try to make improvements. And here we are. We were just talking before we started the podcast. It's almost 10 years later. I know it seems like just yesterday, but you know, it seemed like it was going to be forever before you know, we got anywhere, but where have we gotten? What's changed? A lot of things have changed. I think uh, one of the things is the preparedness work that the Weather Enterprise has done. 
And, you know, that's trying to educate the public about how to get their weather warnings and be prepared for it and to realize what their vulnerabilities are and what actions they need to take given the specific vulnerabilities they have. Um, because around, you know, 2011, there was an assumption that, you know, you put the warnings out there, people got them and they knew what to do. And what we've learned from the research is, is that not everybody gets the warnings in the same way. Not everybody understands the warnings in the same way. And not everybody can do what we expect them to do. There's mobility issues. There's vulnerability issues. And so there's been a lot of work done by the Weather Enterprise to help people have a better understanding and figure out what they can do given whatever challenges and barriers they face. And I think that's why we've seen so much more information coming across the television through social media. Social media has made a big difference because a lot of preparedness information has come out across social media. And there's a bigger connection um, with the Weather Enterprise and the public through social media. Well, you've got other things that have improved also. I mean, just, uh, it, you know, in general, the uh, technology's gotten better. You know, we've gotten uh, better with radar. The false alarm rate has gone down a little bit. I mean, it's still high. That's the nature of tornado warnings. You're never going to be able to, well, not never, but in many cases, very often, you can't know for sure if there's a tornado on the ground. You just see something rotating on radar, and it looks like a storm that would be capable of producing a tornado. But, you know, we've gotten better at honing in on when those warnings are necessary, when they have a higher chance of producing a tornado. And I think that's helped a little bit as well. You know, one thing I do notice, though, you know, you, you go back to an event like 2011, after it happened, obviously everybody in Alabama probably and many other places were wall-to-wall -wall all day, but you don't hear anybody complaining about that one after. But then the thing that I notice is that very often when you see these situations, and I've seen so many of them, I've experienced them myself, um, and, and you just see it, it happens several times every year where something will go like kind of mini viral like this, you know, with situations like this where people get upset, it almost seems like they can tell the severity of the situation. Maybe there are more ways of getting information now and they're kind of, you know, I, I kind of feel like if it was a tornado on the ground and that was confirmed and we knew that and the meteorologist came on immediately and said, Hey guys, we got a tornado on the ground. This is serious business. Sorry about the masters, but we got to do this as opposed to, Hey, it's a station policy that every time there's a tornado warning, we go completely wall to wall and there's nothing I can do about it. You know, what do you think about that kind of stuff? Yeah, it, it's a it's a judgment call is what it comes down to. And I think the concern is, is that if you don't go wall to wall, if you don't get out as much information as you possibly can, you might miss somebody. And so, you know, there's a certain percentage of the population who is, you know, very aware and they're very confident in the information they have and what they need to do. And. And they may be confident and secure that they're fine, but there's people out there who don't know what to do and they're seeking information. And I think that's the, the problem for the TV meteorologists is to figure out how can you get that information across, make sure they're hearing it, and at the same time not interfere with those who have gotten the information, feel confident with their choices, and want to go on about their business. You know, And I know in this case they did a split screen. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the crawler idea. There's also, you know, a lot of the TV stations have a secondary TV station and they'll take their wall to wall coverage over to the secondary station and tell people to go there. And so I think if the audience is educated about where and when and how they can get that information in an event, then you can figure out, you know, kind of these unique ways of messaging and make, you know, a judgment based on the type of event, the seriousness of the event and how you want to get that information across. 
Yeah, these are all really good points. And, you know, it's just something that could be discussed ad nauseum. I mean, it's just there's so many different ways of getting information nowadays. You wonder if maybe somebody's just sitting there looking at their Twitter feed and they see a meteorologist saying, okay, I can't see a tornado in this yet or whatever. We don't know if it's confirmed. They've already got their information, and they're like, get off my TV. It's 2019, you know. Um, it's just such an interesting uh, topic, kind of, overall. But you do think things have improved over the last several years. Uh, you know, we still have the people getting upset. Is there any way to curb this, do you think? Because when I look at it, yes, there are people that get upset, and they can be jerks, and it's really annoying. But I've always tried to approach it, at least as a meteorologist who does broadcasting, as... Well, even if they say something I don't like, that's still my customer. So I'm wondering if maybe there's something I could do differently, you know, rather than just pat myself on the back. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to chastise anybody that was cutting in. I'm just trying to offer an an alternate opinion. You know what I mean? Well, there's always going to be people who are upset about it. And that's one of the things we've learned since 2011 is those are the ones that are the most vocal, the ones that, you know, have been annoyed by the process or felt like they didn't need the information. They'll be the ones that, that complain the most. You don't hear from the ones who appreciated it and used the information and because they don't complain. They were happy with it. Um, and so realizing that, that the, the population that's um, angry about it is really a relatively small number, but they're very a, a very vocal number, I think is important. At the same time, I think you can prepare that portion of your audience for what's going to happen. A lot of the TV stations, the um, broadcast meteorologists, actually put out social media earlier in the day and said, we are probably going to interrupt your television viewing and prepared people for that information um, that knew it might be coming. If you were watching the Masters on Saturday, you knew the potential for that. That's why they moved up the start time of the event. Um, Great job by the meteorologists there, by the way. They've got killer meteorologists at the PGA. That was super effective. Another mm -hmm. thing that you don't hear too much about, yeah, there was like one article somewhere that I read, but they crushed it because I was thinking they're going to have to wait till Monday. They're going to have to, you know, go an extra day. But anyway, go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's really important, too, to realize that there was a lot of information out there that judgments were being made to try to make sure that they could get the event done, um, to try to, you know, cover as much of it as possible before they were going to have to address the weather situation. Um, I was actually, well, I'm a huge Masters fan. And so I was watching, you know, the, 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 the final, you know, holes of the event. And I was also looking at radar from you guys to see how close the storm was. And I'm sitting there going, you know, how hard is it to gauge how you can get something in before something gets risky enough that you need to start messaging on that event? And it was getting closer and closer. And I was like, oh, you know, they've done the best they can and it, it's still going to happen. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it is our job to keep people safe. You know, I, I think there are many situations where a meteorologist on the air has saved lives. I think that's obvious. I think there are also a lot of situations where maybe we've been on the air and it could have been unnecessary and maybe we didn't save any lives. But, you know, where where is the balance between we need to uh, make sure that we cover everything and make sure that we don't miss anything you know and this could be applied to tornado warnings also you know what i mean yeah we go back to probably a lot of the stuff you were talking about after 2011 when you started this research you know false alarm rate people get uh they get sick of it well it, it, it happens all the time and nothing ever happens you know people aren't dumb 
you know, wh- where is the the balance there between we need to gain some trust from the people and, you know, but we also have to cover them and really make sure that we don't miss anything. Yeah. Well, a lot of what we've learned uh, since 2011 is how fatigued people get in the warning process. Um, we've seen it a lot with hurricane warnings because, you know, that goes on and on and on for days in advance of a hurricane. And people get tired of it. It's like I've heard the message already. You know, I've heard everything that's going to happen. And, you know, I'll check back in when I need to. So when you have a short fuse event like a tornado, it's the same sort of thing. It's like, you know, with the events that we had over the weekend, we had several days notice. And so people had been hearing about it for a while. And so a lot of people are like, I've heard enough. I don't need to hear anymore. Um, here in Alabama, it struck us overnight. And so people had to decide, am I going to stay awake and am I going to listen to all of this or am I going to take my information and go back to bed? Uh, a lot of people didn't want to be interrupted by the warnings, like with their NOAA weather radios. And so you're up against a lot, you know, about what annoys people and aggravates people. And I think the solution, you know, and this is just, you know, what we've learned from, you know, how the broadcast meteorologists do this is to use all the sources of information. So, for example, you know, putting out information through social media because people are seeking that information through social media. So knowing that you're getting the messaging out through social media about how to be prepared and what actions to take, that's a lot of the information that you'd be pushing out wall to wall. And so use alternative sources so that you don't have to be on the whole time or you don't repeat the same thing over and over again because people get tired of hearing the repetition. Um, you know, I heard several complaints over the weekend about just the, the repetition of the messaging that was going on. And so when the broadcast meteorologists are aware of that, then I think they can strategically manage how they push that information out, what sources they push it out through and what they say. Yeah, and I think another one of the big problems is uh, a lot of stations have station policies. You know what I mean? I think I think a lot of this stuff needs to be the call needs to be made by the meteorologist. You know, the meteorologist needs to know what he's looking at, he or she, and say, "Look, this storm—it's like a little spin up at fifteen thousand feet. They're being on the safe side. Uh, let me pop in real quick, and we'll run a crawl, and I'm going to monitor it." But the problem is, as a meteorologist, when you work in local news, in many cases, you cannot do that. You're not allowed to because the state, your boss will be in there and they're saying, get on, get on right now. And you're like, but, but the masters is on. This isn't really a bad warning and you have to. And then as if that's not bad enough, at least when I was in local TV, I remember working in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, which is a great market, by the way, fantastic town also, but it was always a big contest between the stations who could stay on the longest, even after the stuff was over. I mean, come on, like common sense people, you know, I specifically remember one of my bosses at some point walking in and saying, well, uh, they're, they're still on the air, so we're staying on. We're not getting off until they get off. And it's like people just want to go back to their programming. When you do stuff like that, you're losing people's trust. End of story. Mm-hmm. And it has, have you done any research that's actually shown that or is that I mean, obviously, it's just kind of a common sense thing, too, right? <laughs> It is. And we have, you know, especially in a market with multiple TV stations and you know, especially here in Alabama, you mis- mentioned Huntsville. So you can look at the Huntsville market, the Birmingham market. We've even looked at it in Montgomery and Mobile. And it's been interesting um, to you know, kind of see the competition between the TV stations. If you want to see the biggest competition, go out to Oklahoma City. Um, oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah, so, you know, weather is business out there. And uh, so there's a lot of that. And 
So you have to kind of look at the community culture when it comes to weather. What does the community expect the TV stations to be doing? Um, you know, because Oklahoma City has to deal with that. That population has to deal with that. And so there's a lot of demand out there. And so when you look at the cities in Alabama and how the public reacts, and it's interesting because the different markets, I see a different response from the public about how they interpret that competition and how they interpret the way it's done and then what it does to their confidence and trust in those TV stations. I really enjoy evaluating an event and then comparing the TV stations about how long they've been on the air and what they're saying and then talking to the public afterwards about what worked, what didn't work, what turned people off. You know, because a lot of people feel like they know what to do in an event and so they feel like being told what to do is a problem. Uh, but what we know is, is that a lot of people prefer to be told what to do in an event. And so if you're the broadcast meteorologist and you know that annoys some people, but it helps other people, you know, how do you, you know, temper that? How do you manage that? And so knowing what annoys people and, you know, um, one of the things that annoys people is the science. Um, it's, you know, the scientific terminology that's being used. A lot of people are like, you know, just give it in simple terms. And so I've seen a lot of the broadcast meteorologists work on simplifying the science. But then we also find that the public, you know, appreciates the science, especially when it comes to uncertainty. Um, the broadcast meteorologists a lot of times say, you know, we don't want to express the uncertainty because then people aren't going to take action. And then the public tells us, no, if you would explain it to us in simple terms, what your uncertainty is, we'll understand and we'll forgive if it looks like the forecast was missed. I think Ella did a great job. I watched some of her coverage, uh, you know, when they had to break into the Masters and they did go two screens. So it's mm-hmm. like it wasn't the worst thing ever. It's not like they were just completely taking it away. Um, anyway, any other thoughts on this stuff before we go? Yeah, I think it's really important to continue doing what the Weather Enterprise is doing about educating the public. I think the public is much more educated than they were in 2011. And I think more and more people understand why the Weather Enterprise does what it does. And so I think the more we can educate them, like having discussions like you and I are having, um, helps people understand what's behind all of this and, you know, why people do what they do in this process and really what the the whole mission of, uh, is of the weather warning process. And I think they'd be a little bit more understanding of the situations that arise like this one did. Dr. Myers, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes out of your busy day, I'm sure. Well, thanks for having me, Aria. Anytime. <laughs> All right, we'll see you back here next time on the Weather Channel Podcast. Mm-hmm.